man. There's nothing gone right, it seems like, for the last 36 hours. So why should this be any different this morning, right? Well, so good to be here this morning. Um, if in case you didn't know it, we didn't have power here at the journey until just a couple of hours ago or a few hours ago. So we all went to bed last night. We're all on a text thread with each other, the band members, the snow plowing team and everybody else, the donut makers and everybody else. And we're wondering if we're even going to have church this morning. So I'm so grateful that the Lord made a way. It looks like somewhere close to morning that we ended up with um, power here. So the building's warm, the, the toilets work, and all the other good things. So it's so good, right? God is good to us, you know. And I hope we give him the glory for it this morning. Um, I always want to welcome um, everybody that's here that braved the storm, that braved the cold weather, but also those online, because we do broadcast this at a later date. Uh, and then, you know, people are able to catch up if they weren't able to make it here this morning. So I want to acknowledge them as well this morning. Uh, little emphasis on the uh, class that Nick talked about. We are going to do a um, fundamentals of uh, the faith kind of uh, study. Books are available at the coffee station. I really encourage you to get involved in that. It's going to be a 13-week study. We do it here every Thursday night, and it's just a great way to learn a little bit more about what we need to be as um, Christians. But also, it just gives us that opportunity to even know others in the church as well. Uh, the thing we are working on, and that is getting some type of a child care for that. So I know that there's been some of you that have little ones want to come, and we haven't been able to offer that yet. But we are trying to work through that and maybe uh, get a step up of a rotation of um, parents to kind of watch the little ones while class goes on. But I really want to encourage you to be part of that if you can. Um, last week... We started our series on giving, and we talked a lot about biblical giving and what that might look like and different aspects of it. And the three main things we talked about were biblical giving is worship uh, for all that God has done, right? He's done so much for us, and so when we give of our time and our talents and our resources, uh, we're just really worshiping him. It's just one aspect of worship. We talked about biblical giving is just giving back to God because he owns everything anyhow. And he just really wants us to be involved in ministry, involved in his work on the planet here. So we give back for that uh, reason as well. And then as well, um, biblical giving has purpose. Uh, the purpose in that is to do ministry. And that is to to build, help him build his kingdom, be part of kingdom building, but also be able to share um, the gospel. Um, our definition we were using last week was really just an accumulation of some uh, definitions that I've learned over the years and things like that was biblical giving is the overflow of joy in God, and that's the important centerpiece of that, that gladly and lovingly meets the needs of another person. So when we meet the needs of that other person, that's what we're really doing when we're giving of the things that God has already given us. But we talked last week is that God is the supercharger or the supercharged element of why we do that and, and, and um, be part of giving and take part in giving. But today we're going to talk about something, the next step up, and that is sacrificial giving. 
And so you say, well, what is sacrificial giving? And here, are you ready for this big, huge definition? Sacrificial giving is giving that involves a sacrifice. <laughs> Super huge, hard one to remember, right? Uh, but it's really interesting. We're going to walk through some scriptures today together about that. And um, there is giving, but then there is sacrificial giving. And how does the Lord see those things? Um, actual sacrifice is the act of giving up of something that has value to us, right? For, or, for the sake of someone else, more important or more worthy. And so when you talk about a sacrifice, you know, giving up that valuable thing, we saw the Old Testament sacrifices, right? For sin, uh, the, the thing that God was trying to help us understand, of course, is working towards the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But during that sacrifices, um, the Israelites were often take something very valuable to them, and that was the sum of their livestock and animals and grain and different things like that, and sacrifice them to the Lord, but it was for, in that case, was for their own benefit. It was for the forgiveness of sin. Um, everyday examples of sacrifices might be those that you make every single day. Uh, if you're married and you uh, have husbands and wives, you guys make sacrifices for each other each and every day. I hope you do. And I hope that isn't lopsided. Uh, it can get that way sometimes. But at the same time, those are sacrifices on the behalf. We give up something of ourselves for the betterment of another person. Parents make them for their children. Oh, my Lord, my Lord we want to get onto that bandwagon, do we, parents? Um, the stuff we do for our kids sometimes, uh, we know they never really, and Willie's laughing at me right now, but we know, I know they don't really appreciate it some days, do they? But, man, the stuff we do for our kids, but it is for their betterment. We love them, and we're willing and lovingly do that. Uh, friends do it for friends, and on and on and on. Again, we do it because these sacrifices, um, we're willing to give up something that's valuable to us for the love or for the betterment of another person. Giving sacrificially should be the mark of a Christian. Um, that's one thing that, um, that you'll see over and over in the Bible, especially in the church era, and that's what we're in now. Since Jesus has ascended into heaven, the church is alive, and the church is there uh, to be a reflection of who he is. And it's pretty awesome to see the church when they're in full action. We've seen that over the last 24, 36 hours right here at the Journey Church. Um, people scrambling to to uh, make sure service happens, um, people lending their equipment, plowing driveways, shoveling um, walks, getting everything ready that we needed to get ready for this morning, band and et cetera, et cetera. Even of time and talents and resources for the betterment of others. So uh, as we do this this morning, we're going to look at the motive behind giving sacrificially. We're also going to reveal there is a danger of not doing that. And we're going to look at that. And then we're also going to look at the reward that is in sacrificial giving. But before we do that, let's pray. And then we're going to open our Bibles together. And we're going to see what the Lord has to say about these things. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Uh, thank you once again for just even having a having us all together as a local church here today. Lord, we want to open up your word and listen to what you have to say to us. Please, Lord, 
use um, the words that we're going to share today to edify us, to grow us up, to help us learn, to get us to that next step that we need to do. Uh, Lord, just uh, you, you love us so, you just want the best for us, and uh, we know that. So be with us this morning as we, we share in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Romans, Romans chapter 12. So if you've got your Bibles, crack them open, your app. I always want to make uh, available to you Bibles. We have them free, considered a gift from us. If you don't have one or you want an extra, um, at the coffee station back there, as you leave today, just grab one, no questions asked, take it home and use it. Um, so, Romans 12, starting in verse 1, um, Apostle Paul says this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So today, we're going to look at giving sacrificially. Um, and I first want to start with the motive. Uh, and Paul kind of helps us understand that in this verse today as he kind of blocks out just, we could really spend the whole entire day on this one verse. But we're just going to take a chunk of it today and really see what he wants us to learn. So today's scripture was taken from a letter that Paul wrote um, to, actually he wrote this to um, Gentiles. This um, primarily Gentile audience that when he wrote this. Uh, he addresses them as brothers and sisters. So we know by that designation that uh, the brothers and sisters means that these are ones that are following Jesus. They are part of the church. And he writes this letter to them. Uh, that's always a good thing when you read your um, Bibles and you see that designation in there. You know at least who he's speaking to. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that the message is can't touch those that are still not in the family of God yet. But at this particular point, he is doing that. And it's important to know that, that they're Gentiles because Paul is beseeching them. Um, what does that mean? Uh, he's appealing to them for one reason. He says, I uh, am beseeching you, therefore... Another little Bible study trip uh, trick is when you see the word therefore, you ask yourself, what is that word therefore, therefore? It's a real good thing just to kind of, you know, stop yourself and look. In most cases, when you're studying your Bible, the therefore is the chapter prior to it, or very close to that. So we're going to do a little bit of that today, but what is the therefore Therefore, The therefore is there because of the mercies of God. And just take a moment and think about the mercies of God that um, you have experienced in your life, for instance. And when he says he's appealing to them by the mercies of God, this is not Paul appealing to them in a way that it's like, I'm begging you to, to listen to do this thing. He says, by the mercies of God. I am beseeching you, I'm appealing to you. Uh, it's because of the mercies of God spoken about in chapter 11. Um, he had chosen the, the Hebrew people as the means in which God would reveal himself to the rest of the world. I, know, I hope you know that, that when God chose a people through Abraham, that he wasn't choosing only Jews to come to know him. 
You know, uh, we, we know that now that we're living in the church age, but that wasn't God's means by which he did or reason he did it. He just happened to choose the most stubborn people he could find on the planet, and he chose them to reveal himself to the rest of the world. But it's pretty cool because he, um, Paul is speaking to the Gentiles because the Hebrew people at this time had actually rejected um, Jesus. It had rejected God's way of revealing himself to the world. It's kind of ironic, isn't it? Um, but anyways, Jesus was a stumbling block to the Jewish people. So now this thing's been opened up to the Gentiles. So let's look at uh, Romans chapter 11, if we could, starting in verse 11. And this is what he says. He says, I say then, have they stumbled, speaking of the Israelites, that they should fall? Question. Certainly not. But through their fall to provoke them to jealousy. Salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now, if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? Uh, Israel stumbled, but they are not out of the reach of God's salvation. And that's what Paul's really trying to help us understand with this chapter 11. But because of the fall, if you want to say the stumbling of Israel, not recognizing Jesus as the Messiah quite yet, now God has opened this up to the Gentile population. Each and every person in this room should be happy that God has opened up his word, has opened up salvation to the Gentiles. I'm just guessing, but probably primarily everybody in this room is a Gentile or some time of non-pure Jew through bloodline. Uh, we should be happy. We should be clapping. We should be cheering because of salvation has been opened up to us as well. This was all part of God's plan, however. It wasn't like this, oh man, they're not going to believe me, so I guess i got to go to another group of people. That's not what God was doing here. It was really good because this was part of the plan all along. He knew this was going to be the most stubborn people on the planet. But he, this is God's plan. But through that, through that plan, now here we have salvation offered to um, the Gentiles. The good news is open to everyone. Um, however, this would provoke Israel to jealousy. And as you read through your New Testament, you see that jealousy. You see that they, the, the priests, the chief priests and the scribes and many of the people were jealous because they were Gentiles coming into their religion. And it was never meant to be that way, but here we go. This is what God has done. Um, they viewed their uh, salvation through Abraham as through bloodline. And that was never the plan that God wanted them to follow. It, they, they would follow Father Abraham, but they would follow him in faith. Remember, it was faith that got Abraham, that um, Abraham believed unto righteousness. So that's what we want to remember here, is that this is the open door that is now open for everyone. And this is the mercies of God that is talked about in Romans 12. He said, I beseech you by the mercies of God. He wants them to think about what God has done for them, what he has opened up for them. Uh, and it's because of God's mercy on them, his undeserved kindness towards sinners, that is, is that Paul is appealing to them. 
And he's appealing to them to present their bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Why? Well, in light of God's mercy, this is the most reasonable thing that they could do. And it's the most reasonable thing that you and I could do. Based on the mercies of God, we should be presenting our bodies, our lives, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him. So, living sacrifice, that's a little, seems a little bit of maybe an oxymoron to you, if, if, if you think of it that way. We know sacrifices as pretty much something in the Old Testament when we talk about sacrifices, when they bring them to the temple. In a lot of cases, in the, in the case of an animal, an animal had to shed its blood or die in order to be a sacrifice for the sins of mankind, right? But Paul's calling them to be a living sacrifice. In other words, Paul's not asking them to sacrifice themselves on an altar uh, uh, and be wholly acceptable unto God. He's telling them to be a living sacrifice. Um, these animals, they didn't live. What Paul's saying to you and to me and to the Gentiles of the day and to the Jews is that we are to be a living, a perpetual sacrifice unto the Lord. Um, Paul's usage of the living sacrifice in really indicated to you and to me and to them back then is that this was going to be a process. In other words, this was going to be an offering of ourselves continually to the Lord. Um, to die to self. We've heard Paul use those words before. Um, in later scriptures, we would hear them. But the idea is that we, it's, we're really dying to our desires, our needs, and our wants, and, and use those for God. So our motive for living sacrif a sacrificial life is no different uh, than it was when this was written as it is today. It's no different today. We don't somehow get out of it. We don't somehow, that was for them kind of thing, not for us. This, this is for you and for me today. God has shown each of us great mercy, right? Right? Yes, he has. And he has shown us this great mercy. So then what do we do? We present our bodies to him as a living sacrifice because it's the most reasonable thing that we should do. Again, um, sacrificial giving is kind of our topic today. And I know that everybody, when we use the word giving, the first thing you do is zero in on our wallets, right? Uh, it's so much bigger than that. And that's what today's um, talk is really about today. Today's sermon is about sacrificial giving of all of us, everything we have, not just our money, our time, our talents, and our resources. And it was on full display yesterday here at the Journey of Everybody trying to get this thing ready with equipment being used and shovels going like crazy and, and bands getting ready and all these different things, times, talents, and resources all put uh, into the ministry of God. But what is sac sacrificial giving? It's when we are willing to continually give up or sacrifice something that we consider valuable for the sake of someone else regarded more valuable. And that's an interesting thought, isn't it? Because each of us 
uh, just because we're human, just because we're the way we're built, we're the most important thing on the planet most days. We are. I mean, it's just how we think. We're, we're broken. We're not the way we're supposed to be. We've been affected by sin. But at the same time, to transfer that kind of uh, thinking into the way God wants us to think is the, uh, should be our thinking. It's for the sake of someone else. When we do that that way, that's when we can be considered a sacrificial giver. When we have something that is valuable to us, time, talents, or resources, and we're willing to give them up and give them to someone else. Um, there's many things like we often talk about that could be fall into these categories, but when we usually do, we talk about time. That's pretty valuable to us, right? I bet you each of you had to scramble this morning, whether it was get your kids ready, your car scraped off, your coat on, and all that kind of stuff, just to make sure you got here on time, because your time is valuable. We have talents. Oh my goodness, the talent we have on this um, platform and every Sunday morning is just overwhelming uh, to see how talented they are, and they're willing to use those talents for you and for me to worship in, in the mornings. Uh, and then we have our resources. That could be anything. That could be your vehicles. That could be your houses. That could be your, your monies. Your, whatever it is you have that God has given you uh, to be used back uh, for the ministry. Um, so these things are all valuable to us, but um, we just have to make sure that we remember that God has given us those things. And he didn't give us, give us those things only for ourselves. Yes, he has given us those things that we can have them, we can enjoy them, but there's a grander purpose in the whole thing. And that's what sacrificial giving, uh, giving requires of us. Um, even with all this stuff that God has given us, we can refer to them sometimes as my time, my talent, and my resources. And we can get in that trap because they're really not. We kind of talked about that last week a little bit, is that God gives us all these things, right, to be distributed and be used by all. But such was the case of a man in his possessions uh, in the book of Mark. So go to Mark 10, and we're going to talk about a guy and kind of learn from him, I hope. Um, a man that thought possessions were his. <clears throat> Starting in verse 17, it says this. Now, as he was going out on the road... One came running, and we're, he going out on the road is Jesus. So Jesus is on the road, and one came running to him, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not commit murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him, I have that underlined, and said to him, One thing you lack. Go your way and sell whatever you have and give to the poor, 
and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. And here's the man's response. But he was sad at this word, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. First, we should notice that the man ran to Jesus. I like that people running to Jesus. We all need to be running to Jesus. And he knelt before him, and then he inquired what he might do to inherit eternal life. This, this says a couple of things to us. The guy had a great desire to have eternal life. We all should have that. We all should want that. We should all see our need to, to, to have that. But yet... The meaning of the word inherit in the Greek really means to receive or to be given to gain a possession of something of considerable value which has not been earned. By the man asking Jesus what he might do reveals that the man did not understand how to obtain eternal life because eternal life is the gift of God through faith and cannot be acquired by anything that we might do. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, not anything you and I could do, lest anyone should boast. That means what that boasting part means, that if there was something that we could do to gain eternal life, we would brag about it. That's who, that's who we are. But God, it is a gift from God. God gives it to us freely just through our faith in Jesus Christ. First, Jesus challenges a man to recognize who he is speaking to by, by saying to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. He was trying to get the man to see that he was God. Calling him but good, he was correct. He was the good man, a good teacher. But he wanted the man to see him as God. He must not have because secondly, Jesus uses the law of God to produce the knowledge of sin. Which, by the way, is the same thing that goes on today. When we read through our Bibles and we read through the, the law of God, all that really does for you and for me, it produces the knowledge of sin. We know now the law that we are unable to fully keep. It's not an accident that he uses the part of the law that deals with a man's relationship with others. You notice that each one of those commandments he recited, the don't murder, don't commit adultery, and so on, don't steal, those are all with the interactions of mankind with one another. It's interesting. Jesus knows the heart of man, doesn't he? And he, he knew exactly what scriptures, what part of the law to bring up to the man that day. He was challenging the man. The man uh, answers Jesus by said, I've kept all these things since my youth. There's no one <laughs> that is able to keep all these things since their youth. But that was the, the, how the man thought of himself. He said, I've done all these things. I've kept the law. I'm, I'm good. Then Jesus, being God, knew the true heart of the man. And he tells the man the truth in love. We talk about that a lot about it here at The Journey is that we need to constantly be speaking the truth, but it needs to be spoken in love, right? In this, the Scripture tells us that Jesus loved the man. And so when we love somebody to the point of love, like godly love, we have no choice but to tell them 
the truth. And this is what he does. Jesus reveals to the man the one thing he lacks, and that is he lacks the love for his fellow man. He lacks the love for his neighbors. The man was unwilling to part with his possessions for the sake of the poor or the sake of um, the people around him. Jesus was once asked by the religious leaders of the day, which is the first uh, or greatest commandment of all? Yeah. Mark 12, 29 is one version of it. Jesus answered him, first of all, um, first of all the commandments, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment, Jesus says. And the second like it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Although the man said he had kept all the commandments involved his neighbors, his actions exposed that he didn't actually have love for his neighbor at all. He wasn't willing to part with the things that he considered his, his possessions. Um, and this is the danger of not giving sacrificially. That danger enters into our world. Uh, the man saw his treasures as his. And there's where we can camp out for maybe periods of time. When we see that everything that God has given us is ours. Um, he was unwilling to give them up for the benefit of those poor people or those others around him. The man chose to keep his earthly possessions in exchange for heavenly treasures. Remember, that was the promise in this thing, is that Jesus told him to go give it up, right? Go give it up to the poor and come follow me, take up your cross. And then eternity was a promise. Heavenly treasures was a promise from Jesus, from our Lord. He desired, um, his desire for eternal life had been quenched by the desire to keep his possessions for himself. Mark finishes this documentation of the encounter with the man with Jesus by revealing this truth. It says, And the man had great possessions, yet he went away sorrowful. Isn't it funny the things that we think that are going to, that will keep to make us the most happy are actually the things that bring the most sorrow into our lives. The keeping of stuff when we know that God has given it for, uh, to be distributed widely. Are we in the same danger is really the question. God has given us all this time and all our talents and all of our resources. If we, like the man Jesus encountered, see these treasures as only ours, then our heart is not set on the proper kingdom. We're set on our kingdom. We don't often think that we have kingdoms, do we? We don't really think of it that way. We think about kings and grandeur and many people and all these things. But if we're honest, when we consider all these things that God has given us ours, then we use them to build our kingdom, you know, build our little um, kingdom up so that we can enjoy um, ours. And we don't build his kingdom up, only ours. And this uh, thinking is not kingdom thinking. It's worldly thinking. Uh, when the Bible speaks of the world, 
always, um, always want to clarify that a little bit. It's really the world system or society that man has built in order to make himself happy without God. That's really what the world is. We, when we talk about the world, oftentimes it, we talk it in retrospect or opposite of the church, uh, meaning those that have committed to God's kingdom and we believe in his kingdom, we're now part of his kingdom and no longer part of the worldly system or kingdom, right? So when we see that, though, that, that system got developed without God. It was man's effort to get along without God. So that's what we mean when we talk about the, level, uh, about the world. And all of this is led by who? The devil, Satan, the enemy. And we know that. The scriptures tell us that. And even devout Christians, however, can be tripped up or swayed by the evil one because he's tricky and he has a way of making us think incorrectly he has a way of making us think these things well I went to work this week and I earned that paycheck and that's my money now and that is my house and that is my car my kids my everything my 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 oh my right but that is what the enemy does he convinces us that we are building a kingdom for ourselves. But this is the, the goal of the enemy. We should know this by now, right? The enemy is there to trip you up, Christian. He is, he is there to keep you or to hinder you from advancing God's kingdom and his gospel. He doesn't want you to be a living sacrifice. He wants you to live unto yourself, not sacrifice to others. So the cure, good thing we have a cure out there. Paul, let's go back to Romans 12. Second verse in Romans 12 says this. Do not be conformed to this world, but what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So what's Paul saying here? Well, when we come into the kingdom of God, we should no longer be conformed or molded by its thinking in its ways. But instead, we are to be transformed. That's what the Holy Spirit does, right? The way we used to think, uh, we cannot think that way anymore. When we used to live in the world, we don't think like that anymore. We have a new Lord. We no longer cave to that type of thinking. No longer hang out with a world or think like a world that wants to do it without God. Prior to entering the kingdom of God by faith, we thought like that. I don't know if, uh, how y'all came to know Jesus through the course of your life, but I can certainly say I definitely thought like the world for a great part of my life. I thought I was doing all the right stuff. I was, you know, my house, my cars, my, 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 my. But then when I came to know Jesus, all of a sudden everything changed. This isn't my stuff. Where did all this stuff come from? It didn't come from me. I didn't have anything to do with it. My talents came from the Lord. If I worked a job each and every day, well, then that was because God gifted me and was able... I was able to earn a paycheck and provide for my family, all from God, however. So that changed my thinking, coming to know Jesus through the Holy Spirit. 
so we should have transformed thinking, a renewed mind, a new way of thinking. When the man um, had his encounter with Jesus, Jesus asked him to sell whatever he had and give to the poor. He said, then, come, take up your cross and follow me. Did you ever catch that Jesus was living at that moment? He still hadn't gone to the cross at this point, but yet he still uses this phrase, take up your cross and follow me. Well, the cross was a symbol of death back then, um, even before Jesus hung on a cross. But I think sometimes this is written more for you and for me. Uh, that's what the term living sacrifice seems to stand out to me because Jesus' reverence to the cross was a, was a cross of sacrifice. Uh, Jesus sacrificed his life in the exchange for our good, right? Jesus' life, God's only own son, very valuable to God, very valuable to God, sacrificed his life on a cross for you and for me, gave it up for the benefit of you. And for me, and so what he was asking this uh, man to do was really get rid of all the stuff, all the hindrance that are in the way of following me, and then become a living sacrifice. Just give yourself to me. And that's really what he's asking this man to do. Um, somehow, many of us Christians today somehow have come to believe that sacrifice is not a part of following Jesus. I don't know, I guess it's a trick of the enemy. Uh, we've been duped, but somehow everything's going to be rosy and perfect along the way once you come to know Jesus. Um, oh, things are a lot more joyful. A lot of things are a whole bunch better. My eternity's going to be awesome. But along the way, that we still have sacrifices to make. Somebody sacrificed so that you could understand what a sacrifice means. Think about that for a minute. Somebody sacrificed time, talent, resource, so that you could come to Jesus. And so now the call for you and for me is to do the same now that we're here. So this is a kind of um, wrong thinking, if that's what we're thinking, that everything's just going to be nice and all it is is easy street for you and for me the rest of our Christian life just waiting for that you know that Christian cruise ship to get to port and we're good right it's not it's the wrong thinking in fact Jesus refutes this idea when speaking to his followers in Matthew 10 verse 24 he says a disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master in other words our Lord sacrificed on our behalf. And are we going to be better than he by not sacrificing ourselves? No. He says, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. But with sacrifice, there is reward. And I, um, I don't want to get this reward side of thing upside down. It's not why we do it. Remember, our motive at the beginning was not, uh, not because we're going to get a reward at the end. We're not in third grade anymore. Uh, our motive is by the mercies of God. Because of what God has done, it's our reasonable service to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. So after seeing the man unwilling to give up his possessions to follow Jesus, Peter speaks up on behalf of the other disciples in Mark 10, 28, and he says this, And Peter began to say uh, to him, See, we have left all and followed you. And he's talking to Jesus. 
So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to become eternal life. I think sometimes as Christians we get kind of stuck on the eternal life thing, which is going to be awesome. No doubt about it. Everything we read about it is going to be pretty cool. If nothing else, we're just with the Lord. That's good enough for me, right? But then he says there is a hundredfold reward in this time. And what is he saying? The sacrifice um, that we give when we give of our time, of our talents, of our resources back to God to further his kingdom does have its reward, both in this life and the life to come. For some, leaving things behind to follow Jesus is valuable as houses, uh, brothers or sisters, mothers, wives, and children and lands for his sake, and the gospel's sake will be the sacrifice that is needed. Some will be called to do that. But the promise from our Lord is a hundredfold return on those things in this life. Not like the many mansions thing we talk about oftentimes out of, you know, reading out of John, but the idea is that there is a reward in this life. And I, I want to humbly kind of talk to you about a couple of those things that I've experienced in my life. And uh, I say this very humbly, but my wife and I have had, we can give testimony to this, the reality that this thing is real. We've given homes up and in, in brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers to go serve the Lord in diff different lands, different places, uh, places that even in just different cities and these types of things. But with great humility, I want to tell you that of all the homes we've been able to stay in over the years of other brothers and sisters in the Lord, um, I've never been without a house. I've, never, I've been a long period of time without owning a house or having a place to call our own. But at the same time, God has always given me a house to stay in. It's just pretty wacky how this all works. All of a sudden, I'll be in uh, South Africa. I have a home. I, I can be in India. I have a couple of houses I can stay in India. There are places in Haiti and uh, different parts of the United States that we've been able to serve the Lord in and there's always a place for us to stay. Plenty of brothers and sisters. I've had to leave um, our own brothers and sisters here sometimes to go serve the Lord. But I have many more brothers and sisters. You are part of that. We have many more brothers and sisters in the Lord than we ever would have had if we would have just stayed home. If we were not given of our time and our talents and our resources to do so. So I say that again with all humility. The, the promises of the Lord are true. Is that all these different things that we think are so tight to us that we can't give up because they're ours and because we've, we've earned them and we're not going to let go of them. God says, I'll return a hundredfold if you're just willing to, to sacrifice them to, to take up your cross and follow me. And yes, pro um, promised by the Lord, part of the reward, if you caught that, is persecutions. Uh, no one likes to talk about the persecutions that come with following the Lord, but they are there. But what was really cool, these are in a positive light. 
they are put in a light as reward. You often probably try to share Jesus with people that in your home or in your, um, your families and at the coffee shop or wherever it is you try to do that. And when you get persecuted, just even verbally, it's no fun, is it? It's just no fun. But yet, Jesus speaks of these things as reward. In other words, to be persecuted for the sake of Jesus is one of the best rewards that you and I can have. It means that we're his, and we're willing to sacrifice whatever it takes to tell people about him, even if that means losing friends, even if that means losing co-workers' respect. All those different things that we hang on to so much and don't want to be, want to lose, even through persecutions, the Lord is saying, uh, they are rewards if this happens to you. And then there is eternal life, what is yet to come with all of its glory and all of its many aspects. I just can't wait. I don't know how you think about, I think about eternity often. I'm, I'm probably multiple times a day. Uh, this world's no fun. Uh, there, it has its struggles. Um, yeah, let's just keep it at that. But I look to eternity. I cannot wait to be with the Lord. We're separated and there's a great chasm between us right now. But at their one day we will be uh, in heaven with him. So as we kind of conclude today and wrap things up, um, I want us to consider this morning the reward of living a sacrificial life. Through the giving first of ourselves to the Lord, uh, pray that you have done that. I pray that you, you have really given yourself to the Lord and say, Lord, I am yours. 100% I am yours. And then after that, through all the things that he has given us, our time, our talents, and our resources. Let us not forget our motive is not to receive a reward. Our motive is by the mercies of God, the mercy that he has given us through the sacrifice of his son. His sacrifice motivates us to be living sacrifices unto God. So as we do each week, we're going to take a few minutes just to kind of reflect on the things that the Lord has said through the, the reading of his word and ask ourselves this question. Am I sacrificially giving of my time, talents, and resources? And this isn't a ploy from the pastor to try to get you to do something at the church. It has nothing to do with that. Although we have many places for you to do that. <laughs> We do. But at the same time, this is really just to be acceptable unto God. That's what the plea is for. It's to really challenge ourselves. Are we being what God wants us to be with our giving and, what, and to sacrificially give of our time, our talents, and our resources? Are we motivated by all that he has done? If you ever get out of whack in this arena and you just don't feel like you're really doing what you're supposed to be doing, get motivated. Think about all the things that he has done. Crack open your Bible, start up in the very beginning, and just the idea that he has created you, that is a motivation enough. He's created you to be with him, even though we've been separated him, uh, from him by sin. We, because of Jesus, we can be reunited back to him again, right? We can be reconciled back to him. So there's great joy. That should be our motivation. 
Understanding the debt he has paid is a debt we can never fully repay. So you can go out if you want and kind of be like the man that Jesus encountered on the road that one day and say, what can I do? What can I do to gain um, inherit eternal life? Or how can I get to heaven? What can I do to do that? You'll never repay what Jesus did. None of us can. We can, we can honor him by presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him. But we can never repay him. But nevertheless, based on all he has done, it is our reasonable service, isn't it? To give, to be, to have a life of sacrificial service. So let's take a few minutes as we do every week, pray, and then I'll come back and uh, close our service together. a scripture I want to read to you. It's not on the, going to be on the screen. It's just something that kind of came to mind here. Colossians 3 verse 1 says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of earth. For you died and your life hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Kind of a summary, isn't it, of what we talked about this morning. Lord, thank you for being the ultimate sacrifice. We needed a sacrifice, a holy one, and you gave up your son. Almost too difficult to think, Lord, how great that sacrifice might have been for you and was and continues to be. Yet you did it out of love. We're so grateful. Lord, we just want to offer you today our lives, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you. Lord, what we're praying today is that you, through your spirit, that you would give us the power to reject the world and all the stuff in it and really turn our lives over to you in this way. Thank you for each and every person that's here today, Lord. Bless them as they go. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember, if you need a Bible on your way out, grab one at the coffee table. If you want to get signed up this week for our Thursday night study, grab one of those books as well. Go home, stay warm, watch the Lions win. How's that? <laughs>